0: Hi, I'm David Freudberg, host of Humankind. Listeners know that we explore many realms of the human journey, and some of our podcasts, including some of my favorites, delve into wisdom traditions, sometimes ancient writings or teachings that arise from a variety of backgrounds, sources that help us to focus on truths that really matter. And a lot of this boils down to connecting to something bigger than ourselves, to see that we're all part of some mysterious river of meaning, that the whole is truly greater than the sum of its parts. When I can get calm and touch that inner place of quietude, it points me homeward. Thank you. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund. Additional funding for this series has been provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Institutes of Health, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, and the Park Foundation. A person has a
1: choice of using a religious technique, a secular technique, one sitting quietly, or one exercising. Clearly, the the technique that the person chooses should be one that he or she
0: believes in. An ancient relaxation exercise taught by Harvard Medical School has helped millions reduce the effects of stress. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Anyone who's had to cram for an exam or work extra hard to finish a project on deadline knows that sometimes stress can be beneficial, improving performance. But according to Harvard's Mind Body Medical Institute, Americans identify too much stress as their number one health concern, a condition that can impair physical and mental well being. I think a lot of it has to do with just that we're so sensitive to time and our, our sense of um, urgency, of meeting deadlines, of making schedules, of watching our clocks. And I think that causes a lot of anxiety. I think another reason may be that in an urban setting, for example, in Boston, I think it's, it's a very crowded place, and driving in the city would, would increase anybody's blood pressure, of course. And I think that people need to find a place of quietness, a place of stillness that will offer them a moment of uh, peace. And, and it's hard to find. Stressful conditions seem to engulf modern life. We contend with the ticking clock, the unpaid bills... The personal conflicts, the fast-forward pace of change, all in a tense environment where our media relentlessly bombard us with bad news. Police say Groening used a sledgehammer to break down the door to his ex-girlfriend's apartment, then shot her. Seven and two firefighters
1: up. trapped when the two upper floors came crashing down on
0: top of them. Nearly beaten to death Tuesday morning. This high anxiety atmosphere can set many of us on edge. We seem to be continuously battling stress.
2: Psychologist Paul Harrig. That characteristic struggle can be uh, a nuisance in the very least, and it can be health-threatening in the very uh, worst because it generates that uh, basic notion of the fight-or-flight response in people. It generates the stress hormones, the chemicals that cause a person to become very activated. Uh, So a person then has a conflict at 8 o'clock in the morning, goes back and and is steamed by 10 o'clock, uh, by 4 o'clock, has replayed this thing so many times. And, of course, with, a, with an agenda of getting back in control. Well, if I were going to be there again, I would have said this to him, and, all oh, this time I would have done this and would have done that. It really doesn't make any difference to the body whether he had the conflict at 10 o'clock or 8 o'clock or 4 o'clock. The same level of stress hormones are charging around in his body The same excesses of those stress hormones are creating physical problems potentially for him. Uh, They're certainly creating problems in terms of the effect of wear and tear that he didn't need. Our brain triggers release
0: of stress hormones when it perceives some crisis that might require arousing the body. This automatic mechanism, which has been called the fight-or-flight response, increases your blood pressure as well as your rate of breathing and the rate at which your body burns fuel. The same physical changes occur, even when that crisis is purely in your mind. Thus, while sitting calmly in a movie theater watching a chase scene, your heart may start pounding. The mind-body connection is very powerful. Science has discovered that the way we think and feel can directly influence the inner workings of one's body. Our frame of mind, our attitude, can affect our health. Headaches, insomnia, high blood pressure, back pains, indigestion, and scores of other conditions can be stress-related. But the reverse is also true. By learning simple ways to unwind and let go, we can offset the negative consequences of stress, sometimes dramatically. Proven exercises such as the relaxation response, which will be explained in this program, can help safeguard our
2: health and well-being. I find myself uh, crowding my day with too much to do sometimes. And I find that I can be a terribly un- unpleasant person to be around when that happens because I become very perfunctory. I think the relaxation response helps me settle down, helps me put things in priority because I can first just step back from it, and clear it, and let it, let it stop uh, pulling me
3: along. On some days where there's a lot of stress, you know, uh, uh, and after I do it, I feel that I let go all the this stress, this, ba- this stress baggage, and I'm like a new person.
4: It does, it like re-energizes you. So like if you're halfway through the day and you're pretty tired, you know, you're sick of being around, it really kind of gives you energy to get through the rest of the day.
0: Appreciation by medical science of the relationship between mental attitude and physical health dates back to Hippocrates, the father of Western medicine, who wrote, Whatever happens in the mind influences the body and vice versa. In fact, mind and body cannot be considered one from another. Modern medical researchers investigating the mind-body connection have increasingly looked to other cultures, where techniques such as quietly sitting in meditation have long been utilized for health benefits and for peace of mind. A pioneer in the field is physician Herbert Benson, a professor at Harvard Medical School, who in 1968 conducted some of the first scientific studies of a relaxation exercise known as transcendental meditation. What we did was bring in these practitioners of transcendental meditation
1: and instrument them with intravenous uh, catheters, intra-arterial catheters, a mass so we could measure their outbreath breath and um, collect their oxygen, electrodes on their chest so we could measure their electrocardiogram, electrodes on their scalp so we could measure their electroencephalogram. And then we had the people sit, getting used to the Um, instrumentation that was in
0: them and on them. The next hour was divided into three 20-minute segments so that the subjects could be measured before, during, and after meditation. Their posture was the same throughout. The only difference during meditation was their thoughts, which became more focused and tranquil. And what we found were dramatic
1: changes in a number of different measurements. During the simple act of meditating, their amount of oxygen that they were burning, their metabolism, decreased from their resting state, because they were simply sitting quietly, 16 to 17 percent. This was paralleled by a decrease in the amount of carbon dioxide that their metabolism was producing. This is the waste product of metabolism. And furthermore, their respiratory rate decreased some two to three breaths per minute. The amount of air moving in and out of their lungs decreased. Their arterial blood lactate decreased significantly. High levels of lactate associated with disquietude, with anxiety. Low levels with peace and tranquility. Here we found some of the lowest levels ever measured in humans.
0: Dr. Benson reported these and other health benefits of meditation in the Relaxation Response a best-selling book published in 1975 and still widely read. He went on to found the Mind Body Medical Institute, a unit of Harvard Medical School in Boston. Here in the Biofeedback lab is Dr. Greg Jacobs of the Mind Body Clinic, who will describe the measurements. The meditator Tricia Zudermeister explains the experience of centering herself in relaxation.
3: You have to become aware of your mind wandering and then you have to choose to go back to whatever it is you're focusing on and that's that's when the meditation happens during that choice, I think.
0: And yet it can't be a struggle. It has to sort of be a non-judgmental directing of the mind back to the, the meditative focus.
3: No, it can't be a struggle. It's more like an observation. It's it's more l- like noticing that something is happening and, and making a... A change. We're making an adjustment, but it, it's it, you have to be in the place of being an observer um, rather than being um, a judge or a critic of it.
4: Okay, Tricia, we're going to hook up a couple of sensors here that will measure the effects of the relaxation response on your body, and one of the sensors we're going to attached to you is just this disposable muscle tension sensor and we're going to attach this to your forehead and it has a couple of uh, metal electrodes on it and those electrodes measure changes in muscle tension as they occur.
0: Tricia sits very calmly propped up by a pillow in a comfortable lounge chair. The round sensor the size of a silver dollar attached to her forehead Transmits the information into a computer, which turns it into an audible tone. When you hear the tone go up, her muscles are tensing up. When the tone goes down, her muscles are relaxing.
4: So, go ahead and close your eyes, and think about a, a hectic day here at work. Um, maybe a computer crashing. Um, there's the tone going up with the computer crashing. Okay, and. So obviously you're you're thinking about some stressors and that tone is bouncing up quite a bit. Okay. Good still increasing. Okay. The whole system must have just gone down on your computer there. All right. Now I'd like you to forget those everyday thoughts and transition into the relaxation response. Good. Tones dro- very nice. Tones dropping down. Good. Good. Hopefully you'll still hear some variation in the tone. You're now down much lower than you were. You're at the bottom of the scale now. Good. Climbing back up a little bit but then turning that back off, good. Very good. Your muscle tension now is about as low as it will get on on this scale, and it'll climb every so often. But you've dropped your muscle tension down about 75% from where you were when you were thinking about the stresses of your everyday work environment.
0: It's astonishing to realize how rapidly thoughts can change our bodily functions. Other measurements taken of Trisha Zutermeister showed that during relaxation, her hand temperature rose two degrees in about a minute, while her skin conductance, which gauges sweatiness, decreased 50 percent. These are classic indicators of relaxation. But what exactly goes on inside the mind of someone meditating? What brought on these physiological changes? Dr. Herbert Benson defines two components of the process. These two
1: steps are, first, the repetition of a word, a sound, a prayer, a phrase, or a muscular activity. And secondarily, when thoughts came to mind, to passively disregard them and to come back to the repetition. Armed with that formula, I went back to the religious and secular literatures of the world, To see whether or not these two basic steps hadn't been described before. And what I found was that in virtually every single culture of humankind that had a written history, the two steps were there, normally within a religious context.
0: Dr. Benson discovered a treasure trove of ancient guidance for those seeking an experience of inner peace. Scriptures from India dating back nearly 3,000 years instruct meditators to focus their attention on the divine and to repeat a divine name or word, often silently, upon each breath. Judaism records prayers in a similar format at the time of the Second Temple around the 5th century BC. A thousand years later, Christian monks known as the Desert Fathers living north of Cairo repeated the word love with each breath while thinking of Jesus. In an ancient Islamic prayer called Dikr, a person inwardly recites the name of God on each breath. Comparable practices are found in Buddhism, Taoism, and numerous other traditions.
1: There are so many different techniques that can be used to elicit the relaxation response. And let me say at the outset that what I'm saying should in no way be interpreted as a scientific or mechanistic explanation of prayer. Rather, I view this as a reaffirmation of what religious people have been telling us for millennia, that prayer is good for you. I think they're absolutely right.
0: The practice of repeating a word or sound with each breath can grant a reprieve from the constant churning of our thoughts and worries. The soft rhythm of this repetition, synchronized with the primal act of breathing in and out, seems to calm the mind. It's akin to a restless baby being tenderly rocked by its mother back and forth and lulled to a state of quietude. Here the mother is the higher power to which meditators open themselves. Dr. Benson reports that 80% of his patients choose some form of prayer as the relaxing phrase they repeat on each breath. For others, it may simply be the word peace or the number one. You should choose a technique that conforms to your own
1: belief system. For example, there are many secular techniques that can evoke the same response. Thoreau, Emerson, Alcott, 100 years ago, just within four to five miles of where we speak, would evoke this response by looking at sunlight as it shone off of leaves and focused on that in Concord, Massachusetts. This was part of the school called American Transcendentalism, And modern relaxation techniques, progressive muscular relaxation, autogenic training, which is quite popular in Europe, both evoke this same response, as does yoga. So you see, a person has a choice of using a religious technique, a secular technique, one sitting quietly, or one exercising. Clearly, the the technique that the person chooses should be one that he or she
5: believes in. In general, I would call myself a very concrete person, uh, just very um, much a believer in, in rational thought and, and the intellectual side of, of life. Um, and to me, something like meditation sort of belong with, you know, aromatherapy and, you know, I had visions of the Maharishi Yoga and... and um, Incense burning and that sort of thing, and it just you know, first my first thought was, do I really want to do something like this? But I think the imprimatur of Harvard and Dr. Benson, sort of overseeing this program, I think gave me some reassurance that this wasn't total quackery. Mark Mermont, now an editor
0: at the Wall Street Journal, has been a patient of the Mind Body Medical Institute.
5: I've been experiencing a bit of uh, pain in my arms and hands related. I thought to typing as a journalist I type a lot, and um, had gone to see various medical professionals and had MRI scans. And uh, at one point, I was recommended to have surgery, and uh, I went to see have a second opinion from a surgeon, and he suggested that um, perhaps um, uh, I should try alternative methods first. And he suggested that possibly some Sort of tension or stress in my upper body uh, could be leading to, you know, at least exacerbating these problems. The skills of stress management
0: are taught by the mind Body Institute to patients with ailments that range from chronic pain and infertility to life-threatening conditions such as heart disease, cancer and AIDS. An all too common stress-related disorder is insomnia, which was faced by artist Michelle Bertie from Dover, Massachusetts outside Boston. She grew very anxious when a loved one became seriously ill.
3: Well, I just had a very hard time to sleep, and it, it did not seem to get better. It just seemed to get worse, and uh, I went to see doctors and and uh, um, outside of the mind body, and uh, they um, they gave me medication, and I was very much afraid of this. Um, I I took this for a few months, and, and I asked for help to to stop this medication, and I could not find any help. You know, their approach the approach to these doctors was take more, take more, uh, and 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 one evening, I, I followed their directions and took more of 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 this medication, and and I had a terrible reaction, which really scared me.
0: Both Michelle Bertie with her insomnia and Mark Mermont with his chronic pain were reluctant to continue treading down the standard medical path. Bertie feared that would have amounted to a long-term addiction to sleeping drugs. For Mermont, it would have meant undergoing the surgeon's knife. A search for gentler approaches led them to the Mind-Body Medical Institute, where they hoped to find some relief.
5: It was just sort of something in the background all the time, and if I typed a lot, it would... It would hurt a fair amount, a sort of aching, throbbing, pain. Um, so I was re- quite anxious to get try to get rid of it, basically.
3: When I had that insomnia and I was up at night, it is the loneliest feeling you have. It can be so lonely and so desperate, because here you are trying, trying, trying to sleep. And you just can't sleep, and you can't sleep. And you're so tired and you try to read, you try to watch TV, and you still can't sleep after, and you feel so isolated because everybody else is sleeping, (laughs) and you're looking at the clock. (laughs) Then you say, well, it's 2 o'clock, it's 2 a.m., it's 3 a.m., and... and,
0: People in distress are drawn to the mind-body approach because it can provide an effective natural form of health care. Under physician's guidance, patients are taught medically proven methods that can help activate the body's wondrous capacity to heal itself in the right conditions. Relaxation techniques are combined with careful nutrition, moderate exercise, and a more constructive, cheerful view of life. This approach of self-care presents a new way to look at health and well-being.
5: I just never thought I was a person who was able to meditate, or you know, I was always very skeptical about whether I could relax enough to do it. But the uh, the first session, uh, we had this sort of mini 15-minute uh, meditation, and I it was like a whole. I don't know what it was about it. I think it was just the group setting, or just having somebody external to me. I was able to put myself at ease and just follow directions in a sense. And I was actually, uh, I thought, extremely relaxed in what I would call an alpha state. Shocked me, absolutely shocked me. Uh, What do
0: you you mean by an alpha state?
5: I just relaxed, and I really didn't know what was going on in the room. I was just sort of completely into myself. Um, The only previous times I'd experienced it were actually lying on the beach in the sun,
3: I feel uh, that I'm letting go stress and worries um, that have become part of me during the day or at night, and I feel that um, I'm cleansing my inner self from all of this, and uh, like my arms and my legs, I really feel them relaxing, it's just a wonderful sensation, Um, I've been um, practicing the relaxation response every day since uh, I was in the insomnia program, and uh, it's part of my life.
5: I've been doing meditation pretty much every morning or at least every weekday morning. The process that that they tend to use at the Mind-Body Institute, and obviously there are lots of different ways of meditating, is to concentrate on breathing. So concentrate on the out-breath and the in-breath, and uh, eventually introduce a, a repetitive word or phrase. Uh, I get up at 6.15, 6.20 every morning and retreat to a little room in our house and sit there and attempt to meditate. It doesn't always work, but I just think it's having a, a slow impact on my sort of frenetic approach to life.
3: I do it in the morning after I wake up, and then I, I like to practice the relaxation response in the afternoon, like around 3, 4 o'clock, uh, 3.30, um, around 20 minutes. It, you know, it can vary, too. It can be 10 minutes or 20 or 30. Uh, um, I'm not so rigid on how much time it takes. Um, I give permission to the relaxation response. <laughs> to take the time that it needs. And for me, that's very important. If I put restrictions on it, or if I'm too demanding on it, my relaxation response will not be as good. Because when I do that, I don't let go as much as I should. I have to really let go.
1: We have found is that the relaxation response
0: is nothing new. Physician Herbert Benson.
1: It's been with people for literally tens of thousands of years. People used to sit quietly once or twice a day and just focus themselves. When you're doing it, as I said, your blood pressure is lower, your heart rate's lower, your amount of oxygen your body's consume, consuming decreases. You tend to look at things differently. And long term, we found we can use this medically to treat conditions that are caused or made worse by stress. First of all, you're less anxious, less nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, short temperedness, inability to get along with others. You tend to be less depressed. And furthermore, you're less angry and hostile. Physically, it's a treatment for high blood pressure. Stress is a major cause of high blood pressure, and this can be effectively treated now by eliciting the relaxation response once or twice a day, and we use pills with it, but we find that in 80 percent of people, we can not only lower blood pressure, but also decrease or eliminate their medications. Tension headaches, headaches, many forms of migraine can be eliminated by the regular sitting quietly 10 to 20 minutes of eliciting the response. Other forms of pain, chronic pain, can also be treated effectively by this. Dr. Alice Domar, working with infertile women, has found that 36% now become pregnant after these programs. The late Reenie Goodale, who, were, who did her Ph.D. thesis on PMS at Harvard, found that uh, eliciting the relaxation response could alleviate PMS in over 59% of cases, and the more severe the PMS uh... the more effective this treatment is insomnia sixty million people in america suffer from insomnia dr greg jacobs working with us has found that seventy five percent of people with insomnia can be cured and people who haven't slept for upwards of fifty years well now can give up their medications and sleep through the night by
0: using these approaches
3: when you do the relaxation response while you're doing it it does something to your attitude.
0: Insomnia patient Michelle Berti.
3: Occasionally, sometimes I will have a night that's not as good, you know, uh, with less sleep, and, uh, and eliciting the relaxation response in the afternoon. And like, uh, it. I became a refreshed person after that, as if I had slept, you know, several hours.
0: The health benefits of the relaxation response. A simple stress reducing technique taught by the Mind Body Medical Institute located near Boston in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Jane Pippick and Steve Colby. Editorial assistance from Thomas Royal. Music by Gordon Burnham and Jim Richards. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with The Network, Incorporated. Program development and support provided by Shart Media.
3: To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website, where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org.
0: This segment, Inner Calm, is Humankind Program number 96.
3: The executive producer is David Freudberg. This is Humankind.